Welcome to Building Ideas, exceptional people discussing inspired experiences that create an enduring impact on our communities. Building Ideas is presented by MSA Design. To learn more about MSA, visit us on the web at www.msaarch.com. This is Bill Baker. We're really excited about today's guest on the podcast. He is a Cincinnati native, former starter for the Ohio State University Buckeyes, has had a fascinating career leading a family business, serving as a 20-year public elected official, and over the past two decades has been with us at MSA Design as our chief operating officer and sport planner on key projects within our MSA Sport Division. He is an exceptional person by many means, so please welcome Steve Langenkamp. <laughs> well, being on with you, William, uh, is always special. Anytime <laughs> I get to spend time with you and kind of talk fluently about any topic, I, it's always a treat. Yeah, the the feeling is mutual, Steve, mutual. So as, as we uh, begin this journey, um, I know you and I have known each other for many years, and we often talk about people and life experiences and, and, and things that have shaped us and you know, uh, as I as I said in the intro, I consider you to be an exceptional person on many levels. And so, why don't you tell us a little bit about you know your background and your life path, how you journeyed from Cincinnati kid, star athlete, you know, business career um, to your role right now? Sure, sure. Well, I, you know, my journey is uh, the one thing about anyone's journey; it's unique to them. And um, I feel like I have a pretty unique one in that. Uh, um, uh, my mom and dad, my, my dad's actually uh, Caucasian and my mom is black. And, um, I, you know, I, I joke, but uh, there's some truth to it. Um, my, my life was uh, an episode or two of, of Blackish, if you're familiar with that show. <laughs> that comes on. You know, my, uh, my mom was a, uh, it's from the South. And, uh, and my dad is from northern, mid-Ohio, the Dayton area of Ohio. So two two different people, two different paths for them, uh, and and what brought them together was pure love, and um, and that's the way they raised my brother and I uh, in, in that love. Being a biracial couple uh, in the early '70s was not a popular thing. Um, quite frankly, it's tough. It's an added layer um, to to your relationship that you have to deal with, and um, they did it together. And they really insulated uh, myself, my brother, um, from the outside world in that uh, we were surrounded with love. So I was really raised in a, a loving, loving family. Um, and and one of the pillars of that, that love was Christianity. Uh, mm-hmm. My dad was a uh, raised German Catholic. And my mom, being from the South, she was, we joke, um, they kind of practiced voodoo Christianity. There's <laughs> <laughs> a there's a layer of kind of these old black myths in terms of how you do things. And then you, you, you throw in the Lord Jesus Christ on top of that. <laughs> That's kind of how we were, we were brought up, you know, raised in Cincinnati and um, a great town, a diverse mm-hmm. town, socially, economically, uh, diverse uh, racially as well. And uh, so I had a great upbringing and uh, was truly blessed as a, as a young man growing up in, in Cincinnati. I was blessed with two super parents. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit about about me. 
that, that's, um, that's a great testament to both of them. And I um, know both of them and knew your mother when she was alive, and they're both uh, phenomenal, phenomenal people. So, I mean, what was it like? I mean, tell me about growing up in Cincinnati in the 70s and 80s when you were, you know, really being formed by your family. Um, and, you know, obviously their faith is very strong in that family. Tell me a little bit more about that growing up as a Cincinnati kid in the 70s and 80s. Sure, sure. It's, um, again, being a biracial kid, um, you know, you it, it, it can be tough at times and that uh, you try and figure out where you want to fit in. That could be in Cincinnati, that could be in New York, that could be in Oklahoma. But every kid's trying to figure out where they fit in. But I, I think it's a little tougher when you're, you're biracial. Uh, and that uh, you're dealing in really both worlds. Um, and so, you know, growing up in Cincinnati, I grew up in the Kennedy Heights area, um, which at the time was predominantly black. Um, there were there were uh, white families as well. And, and now today it's, it's very diverse. But uh, uh, kind of the Kennedy Heights, Pleasant Ridge area is where I grew up. And uh, it's a great community, uh, all about community. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the... Um, sports teams and things that we were involved with. Uh, and you'll find with me, sports are a big part of my background. Um, as Bill mentioned, I, I did play some Division One football uh, <laughs> at the Ohio State University. But uh, sports were a, a big part of my upbringing. And so uh, I really, at the time, uh, what that fosters is a real love for your community. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it, it's a village feel. And uh, so a lot of the kids I grew up with, I played ball with, and are still friends to this day, um, simply because of the way we were all kind of brought up and hung out and played on the same teams, uh, generally went to the same schools. And uh, so pretty all-American kind of upbringing. But again, I'll go back to this being biracial, Mm -hmm. uh, gives you a a different glimpse of both sides of the track, if you want to put it that way. Um, My dad being white and his family. Um, you know, trying to feel accepted from that side of the family was a little tough. Mm-hmm. Um, I think over time we, we, we grew with our relationship, even as a young man. Um, I think sports played a, a big part of, uh, us forming a deeper relationship later on in life. Um, the funny thing about black folks, they're always accepting. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. uh, so you felt that instantly there. Um, but uh, that, that's a little bit about my background and how I was brought up. So, yeah, I know. You um, know, the, the, the pillar of that, Bill, I'll tell you, is, is simply love. Mm-hmm. I always felt loved. That's, that's, a great, that's a great statement, Steve, and I couldn't agree with you more. You know, with this, you know, neighborhood sports background, you know, Kennedy Heights kid, you know, you went to Moeller High School, which is a, a premier private school that has is well known for its sports programs, and then, um, journeyed on to eventually Ohio State and were, was a starter for the Buckeyes. As you look at that sports um, timeline in your life and the influence, who are some of the key influences or maybe exceptional people as you look back, you know, the kid over there on Hillendale Drive um, as he became an adult, um, who are some of those people that you maybe influenced your life and ultimately this career path you're on today? Well, you know, I, I would say that uh, every coach that I had in my life, uh, had uh, an impact um, in, in, in who I am today. Um, you know, I, with every coach, good, bad, um, there's always a nugget you can take away from that experience with that coach. 
Uh, so the, the coaches in my life played a huge part in who I am, how I go about uh, living my life. You know, the one thing about sports, uh, and, and I tell this to everyone I talk to, it, it, it really does train you for life. Um, you learn time management. You learn how to work in a unit. You, you learn how to work with a team and that team role. What is your role? And you find your place and how you can contribute. Uh, if it's on, not on the field, then it's on the bench cheering for your teammates, what have you. So a lot of those lessons that I learned in sports have carried through my life, even with how I've raised, raised my kids, the type of marriage I have in terms of relationship with my wife. Um, there's a commitment there that you learn and there's loyalty that you learn. Uh, through sports. So uh, I had a lot of influential people that way, um, starting with my coaches and obviously my parents. Um, actually, um, the CEO of our company now, Mike Schuster, was actually my first coach, uh, baseball coach. I was eight or nine, and uh, he was my first baseball coach. And, um, you know, Mike had a care, um, an interest uh, you know, I always say uh, the, the first part of a relationship, kind of the building box of a relationship is caring, really caring about your community and the people in it and the people in your life. And Mike uh, showed that he had a real care for the community and decided to start a baseball team. He's fresh out of college. He just graduated from college, just got married and decided to give back to his community by uh, forming an eight, nine year old. Uh, baseball team, which had girls on it too. Uh, and uh, uh, he took us all in. And uh, the thing about Mike, he's still, for uh, I believe he stays in touch with all those old former players. Mm, and it um, uh, was very impactful in all our lives, even at early age. So, uh, you know, coaches have, and this is why I'll tell any coaches that are listening, the impact that you have in young folks' life, uh, you may not see it today, but I will tell you, it, it does resonate. And uh, they do take to heart everything that you do um, for them on and off the field. That's a great statement, Steve. I think everybody listening and all of us have had an influential coach, um, especially in sports or in life or in academics or faith, who've really helped form all of us. So I think that's a great statement. You know, one of the things we like to talk about um, on this podcast is, you know, exceptional people. I'm speaking with one right now. Um, but inspired experiences you've had in your life, you know, so as you look back on, on your life's journey, you know, what is a key place, a space or experience, you know, a built environment experience that has really inspired you in your uh, life path? Good question. And, and a tough one. There's so many, Again, I, I talk about life. It's, it's a journey. I'm still on that journey uh, as we're talking today. And, um, uh, so you, you, if you're living life right, those experiences, uh, they make you who you are. You know, one thing about it, I, there's one way that, you know, I, I always took into account, and I, I'll go back to my mom. Um, she had three things that she really instilled in, in, uh, in me and my brother kind of growing up. And the, and the first one was um, uh, never let fear um, run your life. Um, the second one is, is listen. And then the third one is love yourself. And um, I feel like uh, when it comes to experiences in my life, I've, I've always gone and everybody has fear 
Um, but how you deal with that um, really shapes what kind of life you're going to have. And um, so my mom said, never fear what's out there. That That's living. That's what true living is. And so I, I've, I've made it a point, um, and it gets tough as you get older, um, to really put yourself out there. No one wants to fail or be, you know, feel like they're in a situation where they can't control things. But I, you know, I make it a point to um, thrust myself into new things, um, be it business, be it with my, my personal relationships, um, doing this podcast today. Um, there's a fear level that goes into that, but um, putting that fear behind you allows you to live life and experience things and then benefit. You benefit in the, on your journey uh, by putting fear behind you and thrusting yourself into it. And uh, you know, I alluded to sports earlier. Um, you, you have to practice this too. And I feel like sports really prepares you to take on your fear. Um, it really does. Every time you get out on, on the football field uh, for a game, there's a level of fear. I don't care who you are. You could be Tom Brady. There's a fear that's in you. Now, how do I deal with that fear? How do I turn it into something productive? Um, but that was really the first lesson I learned from my mom, and it's always stayed with me. Do not let fear paralyze you um, because you won't be living much of a life if you do. Um, so you asked me about people and experiences. Uh, I've had very, you know, multiple very uh, experiences in my life, um, and I cherish each and every one of them. But the key to that was how I deal with the fear in my life. That's a great, great statement. Um, how does what you do on a daily basis, you know, professional, personal, I'll let you go down this path however you'd like to, but how, do, how does what you do impact or shape inspired experiences for others? Hmm. And you hit me with some really good questions today. <laughs> And then Take your time, Steve. Questions. Take your time. <laughs> it's all good. You know, I, you know, Bill. The one thing I, and I, a lot of what you find with me is, is based off of. Again, I'm going to go back to how I handle my fear and the experiences that I've had, um, and and not letting that fear control those experiences. Um, so I, I think what I try to do when I when I for my clients for my dear friends, family, um, what I try to do is, is make sure in all my dealings, uh, all my relationships, that I, I leave people better than how I found them. How can I be a blessing um, to those in my community? And, and that's what it really comes down to. Uh, how can I help someone find a better opportunity? Um, and that could be on the business side with a project. Um, that could be on a, a more personal level. Um, but how, if it, that's how I really do approach things. How can I make this world a better place for, for everyone around me and those people that I'm dealing with? And I, I think, Bill, what, you know, I'm going to go back to those three lessons. Never live in fear, listen, and love yourself. But one thing that I try and do is really listen to what people are trying to communicate. And I find that um, and a lot of this is going back to practice. 
you have to practice listening to people um, because we all have this um, inner monologue that as we're listening to, you know, people are talking to us, we start to try and put together the pieces in our head. We start talking through it instead of shutting that off and truly listening to where people are and what they're trying to communicate. And I, I liken it to, hey, have respect for this person who's talking to you. Listen to what they're trying to tell you. And then you, from there, you can be a blessing to them. You can help them through what they're trying to do. Um, so it's something that I really work on. Am I the best at it? Absolutely not. But I'll go back to it. It's something that I practice in my life all the time. And I really try and listen to what folks are trying to communicate and then figure out, hey, how can I help you? What can I do for you? Um, and again, it goes back to how can I leave you better than I found you? And that's what I do on the professional side in our business. Um, and I think it's been a key to our success as a group. I think we all are good listeners. Are we the best? No, but it's something that we can get better at each and every day. That's great. Um, great words to live by. You know, as you look at, talk a little bit about, you know, you were in you know, post-college, you became part of a family business and led that. And then you went into public service um, as a township trustee. Just talk a few minutes about kind of that experience and, and you know, that foundation of your professional life post-athletics. Sure. Yeah, I, um, I did go to work right out of college uh, after I figured out the NFL was not for me or, or they told me it wasn't for me. <laughs> um, I, I did go, <laughs> I came back home and, and did go to work for my, my dad's uh, photography company. And my dad owned a mapping company. Uh, my background was in planning. Um, at the time, UA could not get a degree in planning. did not exist uh, when I went to college. And uh, But that was my minor. And um, so the planning piece kind of made sense with what my dad was doing with mapping. And uh, I think more than anything, uh, I talk about loyalty. Um, it was really, for me, it was a calling to be loyal to the family and kind of join the business when I did. Um, and mapping's tough. Um, you know, at the time, this was um, mid-90s, and uh, all the online mapping really started to hit. So we were doing printed, uh, printed uh, maps. And quite frankly, if you can find a printed map to this day, good luck. And I don't even think most people can read a printed map. <laughs> they're just they're dinosaurs. And, and so when our business, um, really after 9-11, um, travel at the time, if we remember 9-11, travel pretty much stopped. Kind of what we're seeing now with COVID-19. But uh, people just stopped traveling. And so the mapping industry just really took it on the chin. And eventually my dad had to close up the shop. Mm-hmm. Um, just so happened, I, uh, with my planning background, that's how I kind of ended up at MSA. But in between there, too, um, I, you know, again, I go back to community. Um, and a big part of that and what was instilled in me is what are you doing to help the community? How are you giving back? And so I decided um, to run for uh, public office. Um, and, you know, the funny thing is my mom had always been involved in politics. And they actually wanted her to run for office. And at the time, she said, no, this is not my journey, not my time, but I think Steve would be great 
for what you guys are looking for. And uh, uh, I talked to folks that are the king maker, so to say, and um, they decided to get behind me, and I ran for, for public office and, and did that for nearly 20 years. Really rewarding. Um, there is, you know, to give back and to serve your community uh, is huge. Um, it really is. And um, I wouldn't give up those years for anything. Um, it's a thankless job. You know, I always tell folks 50% of the people are, that uh, in your community are going to be behind you 100%. And 50, the other 50% at times <laughs> will think you have no clue what you're doing. Um, but, I, you know, and, and that comes with the game. But, you know, I always felt like I had the best interest of the community. And uh, I put my whole heart into it. And uh, every decision that I made and all the uh, relationships that I formed over those years I uh, wouldn't a give them up for anything and, and um, it, it was truly rewarding work so yeah, definitely um, so as you uh, look back at your career with MSA design you've been involved in a whole variety of projects and efforts in addition to being an administration and you know, executive in the firm what are what's a what's a project or two um, that you've been able to be a part of? That has really, you know, resonated with you as an inspirational. Um, you know, the one thing about what we do, and I think that's why I enjoy what I, what we do. I, I think all of our projects, um, you know, large, medium, small, um, we really put our whole self into them um, for our clients and and for the user. And um, so we have a lot of really inspirational projects. When you approach anything that way, you're going to find that inner reward that you're looking for. Uh, but the one that does stand out, this is probably early 2000s, um, we, we had the opportunity to work with Cincinnati Public Schools on uh, a number of stadium projects. And uh, the one that truly stands out is Taft High School, which is uh, inner city Cincinnati. Uh, it's truly urban. and um, you know, what I, what I remember is we were actually walking the site uh, before we kind of got started on, on the job. And we were looking out at the scoreboard, and uh, the scoreboard is riddled with bullet holes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 That, that, that stays with you. And um, but what we were able to do, um, we, we got buy-in from the community. Uh, we met with all the users, all the peewee football programs, um, their community council, um, the school officials, the football team, the athletic director, the principal. Everybody got in on it, and it was a positive thing uh, for, for Taft High School. And um, what we delivered for them was arguably the, the best high school football stadium in the region. Matter of fact, I would have put it up against anything nationally as well. Um, but the pride that those athletes, their their sports teams, and their athletic director, who was an alum of Taft, and if you go back and look at Taft High School, they have a um, they've had some graduates come through there that are just unbelievable. The, the history and the tradition uh, of Taft High School, uh, it, you can't buy it. I mean, it's just there. 
and um, to deliver a stadium that they all could be proud of um, was just uh, heartwarming uh, on, on the opening uh, opening night of that stadium. There were a lot of tears uh, on both sides, our side, on their side, their athletes, um, you name it. It was uh, definitely rewarding. And one that's a project that really stands out to me and will always be with me. It's just, um, it's hard to put into words. And, and the pride they had about the, the, the stadium and the pride that the community took behind the stadium. There was no graffiti after we were done. Um, they recently actually tore it down to put in our new MLS uh, soccer stadium. Um, now they have a new stadium. They have moved them. Uh, from the original site. But that stadium, um, talk about aging well, it did just that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was just a lot of pride there. There was no graffiti, no more bullet holes. None of that it was taken care of well. The community got behind it and really policed what happened at that stadium. And, um, and I, I, I'd like to think that that was a pinnacle turnaround for that community. Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. Any other projects that stick out to you as well? Well, the, one, the neat thing about what we do too, um, I, you know, uh, obviously, and I've mentioned this uh, in, in this podcast here, sports mean a lot to me. And a big part of our firm's success has been in the sports realm. Um, I would say, you know, 55 to 60% of our work now uh, is, is sports related. And so, for me, there's a passion about sports because I understand what all these facilities mean to these athletes, the coaches, the families, the fans. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mentioned community earlier. Um, there's a whole community there with every sports facility that we work on, be it uh, uh, you know, St. Xavier High School, uh, my alma mater, Moeller High School. We've done work with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that meant a lot. Um, but knowing how our facility, what we're designing, how it's going to impact um, the community um, is, is simply rewarding. And it brings me back every day. Now, my role's kind of changed at MSA in the last four or five years. But I make it a point to try and stay involved in our sports, um, our sports market. Uh, because for me, it, uh, it, it's truly... Um, you know, what they say, what, what brings you back? It's our sport market <laughs> brings me back every time. Um, and, um, the impact that we have on those communities and what we're designing. And the funny thing is I always tell folks, um, dealing with sports people, it's, it's easy. It's really easy. Uh, if, if you, they've got the same passion that you have, um, it's not a, it's not a sale when you go in talk about these these facilities with them it's not at all um and we we make jokes nobody remembers you know the science lab that was done at your school <laughs> but they do remember the basketball court and the football field they remember those things and to be a part of that memory is a big part of why i'm at it mm-hmm. that's great that's great so as you've um Progress through this career. You're now a leader and an executive in a, you know, a nationally renowned um, design firm. You know, what have you learned or seen in your career, specifically in your time in the architecture 
design industry. And what have you seen in this part of your career that could help other organizations, other individuals have an impact on what they do? Sure. The, the one thing that, um, and this can apply to anything in life, but I, it's very evident um, in who we are as a firm. Um, there's a, a quote by Martin Luther King Jr. that uh, uh, I've always kept around me, probably going back to. I don't even remember who shared it with me, but uh, it's always stayed with me. And it says uh, the quote, and I'm going to, you know, um, flying from the hip here, but it basically says, um, if if you can't fly, then run. Um, if you can't run, then walk. Um, if you can't walk, then crawl. Um, but by all means, don't stop moving. And, um, at MSA, we are always looking to get better. We don't just sit on our on our hands and say this is the way it is. Um, we're always looking for opportunities to get better, and it's really how I've tried to live my life. How can I be a better student? And so, uh, professionally speaking, um, and, and I learned this from an old coach: you, you are who you hang with. So if you're around, surrounded by people who want to get better each and every day, um, you're going to be one of those type of people. And so that, if I have any advice for anyone, and and then it's the reason why I'm at MSA, um, we're all about getting better each and every day. Um, that'll get you out of bed every day. Some days are better than others, right? But if I've got that goal in mind, uh, I'm going to be better today. Um, and I'm around people that are about being better, getting better every day. Mm-hmm. That journey that I talk about, which is life. And again, that applies to your career, your, your relationships you have, how you raise your children, all those different layers of life that we all have. If I'm trying to get better each and every day and I'm leading with that example, um, by all means, everyone around me better be trying to get better too. And uh, that's that's the advice I have. Uh, nobody has right or wrong way. If we're all trying to get better, we're on the right path. And uh, so, uh, you know, when you talk about um, what I see in architecture and um, and folks that are looking at their careers, if you're doing that, if you again, Martin Luther King, if you can't fly, run. If you can't run, walk. If you can't crawl, um, if you can't uh, walk, then crawl. Um, but by all means, keep moving. Keep getting better. And um, that's been, a, again, a big part of who I am. And I've always tried to surround myself and be around people who are like-minded that way. That is great advice. That is great advice. You know, as you and William's uh, all about that too. You're all about getting better too. <laughs> it's not about me, Steve. This is all about you. Got to get better. You got to get. You got to get better, Bill. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> and I agree. Every day is a is a blessing, and every day is an opportunity for each and every one of us, no matter what we do, to improve Absolutely. on every level of our lives. Right. Well, as you look, um, um, I know you're a strapping young man. Um, you know, <laughs> as you look out towards the next phase of your career, you know, what would you like to, what kinds of things would you like to be involved in or 
or be a part of, um, you know, moving forward in, in, in your, in your design practice, in your architectural practice, you know, what kinds of things would you like to be a part of? What's the dream? There we go, Steve. What's the dream? <laughs> What's the dream? Um, you know, honestly, Bill, um, if I could sum up everything we've kind of talked about today um, into in to, in to one word, it, it's about providing opportunity for others. Um, and that's not one word, but uh, it's opportunity. Um, what am I doing to help people um, achieve? Um, how, how am I helping people be the best that they can be? And, and if I can help in any way, I want to do that. You know, it's about leaving people better than you found them. How can I help you? Um, and so that, that's been my life purpose. Um, it really has. Um, life is about opportunity. And then once you get that opportunity, what are you doing to, to um, make the most of that, that, that chance, that opportunity that you're given? And um, I try and live my life in a way where I can be a blessing to all those that I encounter. Um, and that's going to be different for every, each and every person. Mm-hmm. That's what I enjoy. Um, I truly do. Um, it's not about where I'm at and my success. Um, the funny thing is, uh, the more successful you get, the more you have the ability uh, to provide opportunity for others. So I want to see myself grow that way because it allows me to give back in a deeper way and in a more impactful way. You know, I, once I got out of politics, I actually um, got involved with an organization called Pro Kids. Mm, it's a great, and, and Pro it's a Kids, great group. Um, great group. Yeah, great organization. And uh, for those who are listening, uh, look up Pro Kids and um, the, the impact that they have in young folks' lives. It's just, it's unreal. Great organization. But I've got two kids that I have. Um, I'm a CASA. So you're a, a guardian at Lightham. Uh, you're, you're in the court system. These are kids that are wrapped in the court system and you, you kind of ride, you know, side saddle and for all intents and purposes, you're a bit of a mentor, but you got to make sure that they're taken care of, uh, through, because the court system can be brutal. Um, uh, so you're there to watch out for them and look out for them. Um, and it's something that I've, I've been involved with the last three, four years and, uh, very rewarding really goes to, uh, well, as I mentioned earlier, opportunity. Um, uh, you know, that opportunity, too, is I'm showing a lot of these kids a different side of life they don't see. Um, you know, life is about how what you've been exposed to, and I'll go back to um, how you deal with your fear. Uh, by putting that fear behind you, it, it opens doors for you. And so a lot of these kids have not been exposed to a whole lot in terms of the, the positive side of things. And so I try and be that, that example, but not only that, you know, having a relationship with, with, the, with the kids, I feel like I'm helping them, but it's really rewarding for me uh, to be a part of their lives. And it truly shows me how blessed I am, blessed, I, you know, uh, with the parents I have, the opportunities that I've had, the environment that I grew up in. Um, I'm truly blessed. And I, and I think everyone should get involved in one way, shape or form um, with their community. And um, that, for me, my next you know, phase of life, and again, though, it, me getting better each and every day, those things, no matter how old I get, I can always do that. 
I could be 100 years old and I can still be involved. Maybe not at the same effort level that I once was, but, um, you know, what you're doing to give back to your, your community, you're going to reap in terms of blessings a, a thousandfold. So that's really where I see my life going. What can I do to be a blessing to all those around? Those are great words to live by, Steve. I think many people in many professions and many situations in life can listen to a lot of these great nuggets that you brought us today. And I know they're, uh, I know your family and your community has been a big, big part of uh, shaping you who, as to who you are today. So tell you what, Steve, if any, any parting words of wisdom, any nuggets you want to continue to add on or is what you already said, close the door for you on today's discussion. Hey, let's all just keep getting better and, and um, let's try and leave people better than we found them. If you're doing that, you're doing great things in life. It's one reason why I like being on with Bill here. He does, he lives his life the same way <laughs> and you are who you hang with. There you go. Well, Steve, thanks again so much for spending time. And um, we look forward to uh, distributing this out into the world and letting people know the exceptional person that is Steve Langkamp. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Bill, for having me on. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. Building Ideas is presented by MSA Design. To learn more about MSA Design, visit us on the web at www.msaarch.com.